You're listening to the podcast of The Branch in Ashland, Virginia. How much have you invested in the people with whom you share Jesus? Do you care for them beyond their initial decision to follow Christ? Continuing our study of Paul's first letter to the church in Thessalonica, we look at what Paul was willing to do to continue seeing their growth, their encouragement, and their love for one another and those around them. You know, it's when, when we walk into new situations in our lives, when we walk into a new space or a new group, you can often tell exactly what you're walking into when you do that. Um, you can tell what the community is, is made up of based on the response that you get from people. Have you ever walked into a space and, and it was your first time there and, and people started kind of whispering behind their hands that seemed like the clusters got a little bit closer and you realized that you weren't from there? that you weren't a part of that community, and there was sort of a body language, maybe that, that maybe they didn't want you to be part of that group. And at the same time, hopefully, all of us have encountered a space where we've walked into it, and right away there was welcoming, and there was joy, and people wanted to find out um, who we were and, and how we came to be part of a community. That's what true community is supposed to look like, and over the last few weeks before I was gone, we had started looking at Paul's first letter to the church in Thessalonica. And Paul had invested, even though it wasn't a long period of time, he'd invested a good deal of his life and ministry uh, in them. He had poured himself into it, and he wasn't doing it for selfish reasons. He wasn't doing it so that he could get accolades. He truly loved them and wanted them to grow. And again, that's the essence of community, and it should be the essence of the church. And unfortunately, we don't always see that. We've talked about this in the beginning of our series, that when we hear the word church, when people outside of the church hear the word church, the the words that they might use to describe the church are not always favorable ones. And frankly, sometimes people even within the church may not use the greatest words to describe. Even though we want words like love and forgiveness and connecting and caring to define who we are, I think oftentimes we can define it with other words. Closed off, cliquish, cold, unwelcoming, bitter, and maybe others as well. But for, for true community to flourish and to grow, there's a level of sharing that needs to happen. Paul talks about in the first couple of chapters of 1 Thessalonians that it's, it's about sharing our lives with one another. That we need to share more than just the gospel of Jesus Christ. We need to share ourselves and give of ourselves in the midst of it. If we're truly going to see community take place, that's the level of sharing that needs to happen. And it won't happen with everyone. We, don't, we won't feel that intimacy and deep connection with everybody. But there should be someone that we're starting to feel like, hey, there's a connection that's happening here. And as we pick up in Paul's letter to the church in Thessalonica, we look at how Paul continued to encourage 
the church, even though he wasn't there, um, and letting them know that even though he wasn't there, he was still watching them, he was still praying for them, he was still absolutely for them and in their corner. So if you have a Bible, you can turn with me to 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. It'll be up on the screen as well. Reading in the New International Version, if you have a different version, then um, just know there'll be a couple little words, nuances here and there. But Paul writes this. He says, So when we could stand it no longer, we thought it best to be left by ourselves in Athens. We sent Timothy, who's our brother and co-worker in God's service in spreading the gospel of Christ, to strengthen and encourage you in your faith so that no one would be unsettled by these trials. For you know quite well that we're destined for them. In fact, when we were with you, we kept telling you that we'd be persecuted, and it turned out that way, as you well know. For this reason, when I could stand it no longer, I sent to find out about your faith. I was afraid that in some way the tempter had tempted you, that our labors might have been in vain. But Timothy has just now come to us from you, and he's brought good news about your faith and love. He's told us that you always have pleasant memories of us, that you long to see us just as we also long to see you. Therefore, brothers and sisters, in all our distress and persecution, we're encouraged about you because of your faith. For now we really live since you're standing firm in the Lord. How can we thank God enough for you in return for all the joy we have in the presence of our God because of you? Night and day we pray most earnestly that we may see you again and supply what is lacking in your faith. Now may our God and Father himself and Lord Jesus clear the way for us to come to you. May the Lord make your love increase and overflow for each other, for everyone else, just as ours does for you. And may he strengthen your hearts so you'll be blameless and holy in the presence of our God and Father when our Lord Jesus comes with all his holy ones. And Paul had invested in this church. He had poured himself into it. And he didn't want to just abandon them or forget about them. You know, we've heard that saying before probably about out of sight, out of mind. And it could, it could have been easy for Paul, considering all the people that he had invested in, to say, all right, well, they'll be okay. So I'm just going to go about my business. You know, many churches and people see that as the end, that, that as, as we invite people in. You know, Jesus gave us in Matthew 28 the Great Commission. He said, Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them, teaching them to obey everything I commanded you. And so God's called us not to make converts, but to make disciples, to make followers of Jesus. God's called us to baptize them, but that's not the finish line. In a couple of weeks, we'll have the opportunity to, um, to witness a baptism at an afternoon uh, service. I hope you'll be able to join us on the 21st for that. Um, but when, when somebody, uh, as an adult, especially comes and says, hey, I'm committing my life to Christ, we don't say, hey, you finished, finished everything, that's it, now just coast for the rest of your life. The journey of discipleship is just that. It's a journey. And there's a reason why we use that term, journey. 
it's not a, a short walk. It's not a sprint. It's more like a marathon. It's something that goes on and on. And if you've ever run more than six miles, um, even three miles, then you know what that's like to just keep pressing on. Keep telling yourself, hey, what's my next goal? When there's that many miles, 26 miles to run, you have to keep looking at what's next. And the faith journey is like that. It's that journey of walking forward and, and yet knowing that um, the finish line may seem really far off. And Paul had warned the Thessalonians that they would face difficulties. And based on what he says here, we know that they did. They, they faced difficulties in, their, in pursuing this new faith. They faced difficulties with their own families, maybe persecuting them with their neighbors, with their co-workers. I mean, when we read the story of Noah in Genesis and we hear about him building the ark, uh, we hear about all his neighbors making fun of him. I'm sure that in the same way, as people started hearing about this new religion, this new uh, idea called Christianity, that they started making fun of people for all the things that they no longer did that they had once done. And Paul remembers them. And he, as he writes this letter, has just gotten an update from Timothy who he had sent to them. But, but Paul, you know, back then, they didn't have the luxury of like checking Instagram or Facebook and saying, hey, how's everything going? I, while I was away, I connected with some high school friends that I hadn't seen in years, but I feel like I'm up to date because I see what's posted on Facebook. But Paul didn't have that luxury to find out how are they doing in their faith. And even if he did, frankly, all of us don't always put the real stuff on social media, right? Like we may put a, a really good public face there. Meanwhile, we're dying inside and we're hoping that nobody notices. But Paul didn't have that luxury. He had to rely on some kind of messenger to tell him, hey, this is what's going on. And so even though Paul and Silas and, and Timothy were deeply connected in ministry, he was willing to sacrifice. They were willing to sacrifice and say, hey, Timothy, go. We need to find out how they're doing. You see, in order to stay connected in community, in order for community to flourish, we need to make sacrifices. We need to be willing to make that happen. And Paul made a sacrifice by sending Timothy to them. It was costly for him. He didn't have him there anymore. It wasn't like he could take the bullet train and get there, you know, in like a few hours. You know, this was a long journey that they would get, he would be on, and he probably came back weeks later. And the question is, whom the people in whom we invest, are we willing to make sacrifices for them? Are we willing to invest in them and, and sacrifice for the sake of others? We started off the service looking at Paul's words in Romans chapter 15. And he said, We who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Each of us should please our neighbors for their good to build them up. 
You know, in modern-day vernacular, we need to be willing to suck it up for other people. We need to be willing to say, hey, am I willing to invest and to put aside some of my own desires and wants for the sake of somebody else? Or am I going to put myself there? Am I going to put my, those who are weaker in their faith above? Am I going to put other brothers and sisters above? Am I going to put my neighbors above me? And verse, seven, verse 5 says that one reason why Paul sent Timothy was for his own sake. You know, he was wondering, he was worrying, and didn't know whether all this persecution that this church would face, would it, would it cause them to say, you know what, I'm out of here. I'm done. I, I can't do this thing. This faith stuff is too much for me. And so Paul sent Timothy And Timothy comes back with this report that says, hey, things are okay. Things are good. Verse 6 says, Timothy has told them their faith and love are strong and that they think of Paul and his companions with love and fondness. You know, there's been so much stuff over the last few years and even decades about uh, church leaders who have hurt their people in some way abused in some way. So this idea that there's a favorable uh, response, there's a desire for them to see Paul. You know, Paul was wondering, like, did they feel the same way about me? And he finds out that, yes, they do. And the fact that Paul was hoping to get this positive response from them it is a lesson to us too that it's important for us to let other people know how we're doing in our faith you know i think we have a tendency sometimes i think our culture perpetuates it that that if things are going okay we don't say anything about it we don't say hey look at look at hey things are good or and i've heard people People have told me this, that sometimes we're afraid to share some of the good things that are happening in our lives because we see other people dealing with difficulties in their life. And in some ways we feel guilty, so we say, oh, I'm not going to say anything. But we're not doing it to draw attention to ourselves. We're we're doing it to, to draw attention to God to say, hey, can I tell you what God's doing in my life? Can I tell you how I've seen things happen? Can I tell you how he's provided for me? Can I tell you how even in difficulties, things are still okay? And that's the message that Paul gets from the Thessalonians. You know, we can easily say, well, you know, they're too busy to care, or this isn't important to them. But we need to try it. We need to offer things up. And again, I'm not saying like overshare. I, I, look, I'll, we can be an overshares anonymous this morning, and I can say that I, sometimes in my life, I'm that oversharing guy. So I, I, I get it. Like sometimes we, some of us might do that. Some of us might undershare, though. But we need to find those people. Find your tribe of people that you can say, hey, can I tell you what God is doing? And we can rejoice when we're rejoicing. We can pray and hold each other up in encouragement in the midst of it as well. When there's a mutuality in relationships, there's mutual encouragement there. Mutual support. We can hold each other's 
arms up in the midst of it. And the Thessalonians are encouraged, and Paul is encouraged to see them grow because their joy is his joy. Their success is his success. Their flourishing is his flourishing because of the deep investment. If we, if we haven't made an investment in people, we're not going to really care. You know, it's going to be like, okay, well, that's fine. You, you're, you're doing okay. Whoop-de-doo. But if we've poured ourselves into someone, then we're going to feel it. <laughs> we're going to feel it when they're encouraged. We're going to feel it when they're down. And that's what we're supposed to do. Paul ends this section of 1 Thessalonians with the things that he prays for them. And he prays three different things for them. He First of all, Paul prays that God would clear the way for him to come to them again. I feel like I mention this regularly, but I think one of the things that, that COVID did to us is, is make us okay with being separate and apart, or at least try to be okay with that. But it's so hard to try to be a community when we're watching through screens. Like those of you who still do um, uh, Zoom and other things, and have to have conferences. Some of you might be happy that you don't have to travel anymore for that. Um, but there's something different about an in-person meeting versus looking at people through like a Brady Bunch um, little squares on the screen in front of them. And if you don't get that reference, you'll have to Google it. I'm showing my age there. So, um, But Paul, first of all, he, he says that he longs to be with them. He, he didn't just do the work and then say, all right, I'm out of here, figure this out. He stays in touch with them and keeps up with them. And in fact, Paul wants to go back because he knows that there's other things that, that he wants to do, things that he didn't complete. And it speaks to what Paul has written elsewhere in his letters in Philippians chapter 1, verse 6, where Paul says that he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. Paul knew that God was the one doing the work, but, but he was the instrument of God in being part of that. And so Paul wanted to invest in them. He wanted to give them more. He knew that if he didn't come, God could still complete the work. But because he was so invested, he wanted to be the one to go back. He wanted to be in person again. And Paul also prays that their love might increase to the point of overflowing for each other and for everyone. And Paul, again, he, he does this really well in, in such an admirable way that Paul doesn't just say, hey, do these things, but don't look at what I'm doing. Paul says, do these things as you're seeing me do them. Because Paul and Silas and Timothy, their love for, for this community has been evident. It's been seen. And Paul says, hey, I hope that your love increases as mine has as well. In fact, the, the word he uses there is this idea of overflowing. 
if you've ever watched, if you've ever poured something to the point of overflowing, what, what happens to the area around something that's overflowing? It gets wet and saturated as well. <laughs> you think about what that looks like in community. If, if God's love is pouring into us and it's overflowing, what does that look like? That we begin to see God's love penetrating into other people with whom we spend time, with whom we invest. If God's love is overflowing, what does it mean when something's overflowing? It means there's no shortage of it. Can you imagine what, what this community would look like and beyond if God's love was overflowing in us? That there would be no shortage of people seeing that love around us? That they would feel that, they would know that. And then Paul prays for continued strength and growth as well. Paul doesn't want it to stop there. You know, I, if, if you don't know me uh, at this point, you, you will get to know that I'm not a big fan of like that idea that, yeah, we make a decision for Jesus and, and that's the end. That it, that's the beginning and the reason why we need each other is because it's not an easy thing. I'm not going to stand up here and, and pretend it's candy canes and, and rainbows and that we're all, you know, feeling it every single day. Because it's not. It, it, it's a hard thing. It's a journey. And if you, if you think that you can do it on your own, then um, good luck with that. I'll still be here when you figure out that doesn't work. Um, and, and if you don't think that it's hard, then maybe you're doing something wrong. <laughs> um, because it's a challenge in our faith. And so what do we do with all this? What do we do with what Paul has said here? A couple questions to ask ourselves. First one's this. Are we willing to sacrifice for those who we lead to Jesus? those people that we talk to about Jesus, about our faith? Is it just, hey, I did what I was supposed to do. I, I, you know, I was driving by um, a police officer. There's a, there's a couple places in Ashland where uh, police officers kind of set up in their little sneaky spaces to get people. And I generally know where some of them are, at least on the roads that I drive. Um, not because I've gotten caught before, mind you, but um, because I know other people who have. And, and um, I, I always think about that, like setting up for, for something and the fact that uh, I, one of my sons and I were driving the other day and, and I said, well, he's probably got a quota and he's trying to make sure that he fulfills his quota uh, for the month. And I wonder, I think some, some Christians walk around with this like sharing Jesus quota and they're like just notching it off in their little notebook and saying, hey, I did my duty. I, I shared Jesus for the day. That's it. Paul's telling us it's more than that. That we need to be willing to sacrifice. Not just a few minutes, but are we willing to sacrifice? The second question is, how often do we tell the stories of what God is doing? 
Right? We try to do this. One of my favorite times of, of the month is when I get a chance to kind of recap and put in a newsletter to send out to people about how I've seen God at work in ways that I can't necessarily tell on a Sunday morning just because of time. And I wonder how often we, you know, it's easy for us to talk about um, some of the difficult things. Or maybe it's not. Um, but I think it's harder sometimes, especially when we do see people sharing difficult things, to share some of the positive things in our lives. Are we willing to do that, and how often do we do that? And then, finally, how invested are we in those who we tell about Jesus? You know, is it just stories, and that's it? Or are we willing to say, hey, thick and thin, good, bad, ugly, I'm willing to walk with you in this? and say, hey, this is what's happening. I'll, I'll tell you what, uh, one of the things that I have been proudest ab- about over the last couple weeks is the ways that I've seen branchers do that, that I've seen and heard stories about what God is doing through you, and, and hearing about the ways that God is using you. And you know what that does? It challenges me to say, hey... <laughs> Am I doing equally? That's the beauty of community is that it's not a competition, but it's an encouragement and a challenge to one another to say, hey, are we really loving and investing and pouring in and overflowing God's love to the people around us? Let me pray for us. God, I, I think about that picture of an overflowing bucket. And I wonder what this community, both this community of the branch, this community in Ashland and beyond could look like if we really saw your love get loose in us and overflow. Father, we are imperfect We are broken, we're marred and tainted by sin, but we have a Savior who has come to make us whole, to make us holy. And so, Father, may we rest in you, may we trust in you, that you give us the power we need to do this. So, Father, may we see Jesus in each other, may others see Jesus and see you in all that we do and all that we say and who we are. God, we cannot do this without your help. So we are grateful that you give that to us. Help us to trust that you'll give us what we need. In Jesus' name, amen. Investing in people means more than just spending a few minutes with them. What are we willing to do to make sure that people continue to be encouraged, to grow, and to increase in love? Do we invest beyond people's initial decision to follow Jesus? May we all show an abundance and overflow of love for those around us. May God's abundant love abundantly overflow to those around us to shine the light of Jesus to them. Thanks for listening to our podcast. 
If you have any questions or comments, please email us at thebranchashland at gmail.com. If you like what you heard, please subscribe, give us a review, and share with your friends and family. Thanks for listening. See you next time.